You're listening to Nonprofit Confidential, episode number 24. Hey there, welcome back to Nonprofit Confidential. Thank you so much for joining me here today. For those of you who are new listeners, welcome. My name is Sheila Nimishakavi, and I am the founder of Third Suite. My passion in life and the reason that I started my company is that I wanted to do my little part to strengthen the nonprofit sector. Whenever people ask me to describe my why, it's really simple. I'm a firm believer that the nonprofit field literally changes the world for the better every single day. There is no problem that we can't solve. The nonprofit field fills in those gaps in the system where companies and the government can't or won't. We are not only an important part of the economy as the third sector, but we are also an important part of ensuring a just and democratic society. So I'm not sure if you can hear it in my voice, but I am so passionate about this field and I really think that if we can just elevate how we operate our nonprofit organizations, there's no limit to the impact that we can achieve. So yeah, I'm coming in hot today and I hope you're fired up for the work that you're doing, for the organization that you work with, and I really hope you understand why your work is so important. Because you play such an important role, today I want to talk to you about a few key focus areas that will really help you develop into an effective nonprofit professional. Some of these I'm sure you've heard before, but let's be honest, it's really hard to focus on professional or self-development when you're working as hard as I know you are. So my goal for you today is to not only share with you some focus areas, but to also share some ideas for how you can build time in for these into your life. Let's jump right into it with my first key focus area. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know what it is. If you're new here, you're going to hear about it a lot. My first key focus area is self-care. So here's the thing. When you're truly passionate about the work that you do, in my opinion, it's really hard to put up a boundary between work and life. The idea of work-life balance doesn't really apply because work is your life. The idea of clocking in and clocking out doesn't really happen when you throw yourself into an idea. With a task, you can work on it and leave it at the office once you're done. But with an idea, You can be gardening or cooking, and your mind is still thinking about this idea that you're passionate about. And frankly, if you're as passionate as I am about your work, then you may not even want to put up a boundary. Work is fun and meaningful, and you don't want to leave it all at the office or just stop thinking about it once the clock hits 5 o'clock. We are all so lucky that we get to work in this sector, and we get to feel passionate about our work. But this can become a problem when it leads to burnout. You've heard it before, and I'll say it here again. If we want to continue to have an impact and to create change in the world, we need to be healthy. We need a healthy body and a healthy mind. There's just no way around it. 
Look, I know if you've just started a new position or a new job or you're completely new to the nonprofit field, you may be thinking, no, I'm so excited to be doing the work that I'm doing. I don't need to slow down or I don't want to slow down. That passion and that fire is how you know you're in the right place, but that passion and that fire can also lead you to drain your energy really quickly. And then you'll hit a wall where you have no more to give, and that doesn't serve anyone. If you've been at your job for a while, you may be nearing that wall, or shoot, some of you might be completely burned out right this instant. Taking care of yourself is so important. And here's the thing, if you can just take a tiny bit of time for yourself consistently, then you can avoid the total burnout and the downtime needed to recover from a total burnout. Let me give you an example of what I do, which will hopefully give you an idea of how you can build self-care into your day. Actually, one more thing. I want to get really clear here about what I mean when I say self-care. I don't mean a bubble bath. I don't mean coming home and indulging in a glass of wine every night. It's fine if you do that, but that's not what I mean here. What I'm talking about is attending to your physical and mental health. So what I do is every morning I roll out of bed and one of the first things I do is walk my dog. I do it for a few reasons, partly because he's adorable and I love him so much and I feel like he needs to get some energy released in the morning, but it's also my time. I'm alone, it's quiet outside, it's a break from everything going on at my house. There's nothing else I can be doing when I'm on that walk. Sometimes I'll listen to a podcast, and other times I'll just walk and take in the sounds around me. It's whatever feels good at the moment. So getting that walk in for me is really important, and it's a really simple way that I can check in with myself and get ready for the day ahead. So that's all I'm talking about when I say self-care and when I say consistently building it in. It doesn't need to be complicated or expensive. It's whatever feels good for you that you can do consistently every day. I did a whole podcast on the topic of self-care, so I won't keep going on about it. If you're interested in checking that one out, I will link to it in the show notes. But that brings us on to the second key focus area, and that is developing a network. I know you've heard this one before, but unfortunately, it's another one of those areas that gets neglected in kind of the, you know, hustle and hubbub of day-to-day life. It's so easy to put networking on the back burner when there are immediate needs that require your attention. And I say this one a little sheepishly because I'm guilty of this as well, but I'm working on it. I can completely understand why after a day of dealing with exhausting work, especially the work that many of you are doing, which can be emotionally and mentally draining, the idea of going to an event after all of that just sounds terrible. But what I've found is that as I've started to pay more attention to this area of my life, I've found that networking isn't limited to events. As you may know, I'm an introvert, so going to events with a lot of small talk doesn't really excite me. But as I've met more people in our field, I've found that my network isn't growing linearly, but rather exponentially. So I meet one person, and they might introduce me to two people, who each introduce me to another two people, and so on. 
What also really excites me is that with social media, there are so many opportunities to network without even getting out of your pajamas. <laughs> That's why I have private Facebook groups, which I really encourage you to join. I'll link to them in the show notes as well. So within these Facebook groups, you can ask questions, get references, connect with other nonprofit professionals who you can learn from and just bounce ideas off of each other. I always get so excited when I see professionals from across the country share ideas and learn from each other and just be able to have a greater impact because they met. So I'm actually not a huge Facebook fan. If I'm being totally honest, I'm really only on there these days to network within my Facebook groups. So Facebook groups meaning my own from Third Suite, but also other groups that I'm a part of. I just really believe in the power of these online communities and learn using them as a tool to grow professionally. Here's the thing. It never hurts to know more people. And this is coming from me. I'm a total introvert. I'm not some social butterfly. So if I'm saying it, you know it's true. As you know more people, when you need resources, you have others you can reach out to. And I think even if you're not looking for anything in particular right now, you can soak in what you learn from the experiences of others and eventually figure out how to apply it to your own nonprofit. My number one tip here for implementation is to research and join some active online groups to get you started. Let's move on to focus area number three. Focus on being self-aware. This one might sound a little bit weird, so let me explain what I mean by this. What I mean by this is to spend some time keeping track of what you like doing in your work, what you don't like doing, what your strengths are, and what your weaknesses are. Oftentimes, the only reason that we kind of do the self-reflection needed to discover what our strengths, weaknesses, likes, and dislikes are is like right before a job interview because we know we might get asked for that information. But what I want for you is for you to know where the intersections are between these areas of your work. So what do you both like doing and are good at? What do you not enjoy, but you are good at? What aspects of your work do you both not enjoy and you're not good at it? And lastly, what do you really enjoy, but it's not necessarily a strength? This is an area that I recommend that you focus on a little bit each week or each month because regardless of what your role is at your nonprofit, there are likely areas of your work that you don't like or that you're just not that skilled at. When you can identify these, you can either delegate that work that you don't like to somebody who maybe does like it, or if it's something that's critical to your role and you're not that strong in that area, you can get some training and professional development once you've identified it as a weakness. Within your organization, ideally everyone has positions in which there is alignment between what they like doing and their strengths. But let's be honest, there's a lot of work that has to get done, <laughs> and frankly, there are some tasks that nobody likes doing. My goal for you is to understand these areas about yourself so you can essentially manage yourself. What often happens when there are tasks people don't like or struggle to complete is that they end up getting pushed further down on the to-do list. We've all had that experience where you keep pushing off this task you don't like doing and then it feels like a daunting project that you're overwhelmed to complete 
but then the due date rapidly approaches and now you're stuck working overtime or working more than you needed to in order to get this project done by the deadline. But if we are self-aware and can manage ourselves, we can figure out how to get ourselves to do the work that we don't like doing or spend time developing the skills we don't have. For instance, if you really hate doing data entry, but you're proficient at it and you have to do it for your role, now that you've identified it as a task that you have to do, you can then start thinking about ways to motivate yourself to do the task. So maybe this looks like you can treat yourself with listening to some music whenever you have to do data entry. Or maybe you can treat yourself to a specialty coffee drink like a mocha or something on the afternoons that you set aside to do your weekly data entry. Once you've identified something that you need to do for success in your role, but maybe you're not that good at it yet, you can focus on growing your skills in that area. For example, I know a lot of executive directors who are really skilled leaders and understand how to develop amazing programs but they don't like fundraising. Well, as a face of the organization, they kind of have to fundraise. What I've seen a lot is that the leaders who embrace this task, even though they may not like it or maybe aren't that good at it yet, end up running really successful organizations when they start to focus on getting trained in that area. Whereas the leaders who avoid this aspect of their role really struggle and the organization struggles for it as well. Okay, moving on to the fourth key area, kind of along the same line of being self-aware, my fourth key area to focus on is your personal mission, not the mission of the nonprofit that you work for. Your personal mission and the mission of your nonprofit might be the same, but they don't necessarily have to be. Your personal mission is the reason that you work for the nonprofit that you work for. It's the reason you are even in this field to begin with. It's the reason you are in the role you are in. You could think of your personal mission as your why. So why did you wake up in the morning to do the work that you do? This is kind of like your North Star that points you in the direction of where to go. So we all know that none of us get into working in the nonprofit field for the money. We all do it because we want our jobs to have meaning and to give us feelings of satisfaction and fulfillment. But there are, there are certain jobs that will give us those feelings, and they aren't the same for everyone. Some people really enjoy the arts and really want to ensure that art and culture is preserved for future generations. But some people, like me, don't understand enough about art to make working in that field meaningful to us. Instead, creating a just society where people have equal access to basic services is what drives me. Knowing your personal mission helps you understand when you've veered from the path or you're about to. But your personal mission can also change, so by focusing on this, you can recognize when what used to drive you no longer lights that fire within you. As an example, I'll share a little something about myself. I'm really getting into focusing more on the environment these days, and it's just becoming a bigger part of my life. I can see that down the road, this will be woven into my personal mission. And for me, that may look like eventually taking on as clients, nonprofit organizations that combat climate change. 
Right now, my clients tend to be in the social justice and healthcare arenas, but eventually maybe I'll expand that to include environmental organizations as that becomes a bigger part of my personal mission. For you, maybe you work at a nonprofit organization and your personal mission is to help women develop and reach their potential. Ideally, the nonprofit you're working for has that same mission and that's fantastic. But eventually, if your personal mission changes, perhaps maybe you'd like to add children into that. So once your personal mission changes, perhaps it's no longer in alignment with the mission of the nonprofit where you work. Now you know it's time to explore what job opportunities are out there. So this is why it's critical to understand what your personal mission is. We didn't get into the field for the money. Of course, we all need good salaries and benefits to survive and thrive. This is truly not to say that nonprofits don't need to pay their employees properly, and frankly, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in this area. But just as a field, we knew that the earning potential wasn't comparable to, say, like investment banking when we entered into nonprofit work. So for this reason and for so many others, we deserve to have a satisfying and fulfilling career And the path to that is by understanding your personal mission. Okay, my fifth and final key focus area is to focus on your wins. Every person you serve, every dollar you raise, just all of what you do deserves to be celebrated. It's natural for us to focus on the mistakes we've made or what we could have or should have done. In fact, it's biological for us to focus on the negatives. This is called our negative bias which is a human tendency to readily remember negative events or memories. And it kind of makes sense when we think about it from an evolutionary standpoint. Readily recalling negative events probably saved our ancestors' lives. So when they were out foraging, maybe they had to remember when someone ate a certain plant and they got sick so they wouldn't make that mistake again. So it served a biological purpose. In today's world, though, Our mistakes typically don't cause us to get sick or hurt or harm our lives in any way. So this negative bias doesn't always serve us in our day-to-day lives, particularly with our work. But because we do naturally have this negative bias, it can take some extra energy to remember the wins and to remember how far we've come. I think this is really important for nonprofits in particular because it's easy to forget what an impact you are having every single day. If you're like me, maybe you had the experience of day in and day out doing your work and not really thinking about how many lives you've changed, but then the annual report comes out and you're blown away by the numbers. And then you kind of get that, you know, jolt of motivation again when you see that number and you just and you see just what a difference you've made. By focusing on your wins, you can get that jolt of motivation every day. One thing that I like to do is to use big visuals on my wall. For instance, um, one of the nonprofits that I work with, we are recruiting teams for a walk, and we have a pretty ambitious goal. So what I do is every time a team registers, I just mark a tally on a piece of paper that I hang on my wall. Every day as we work on communications on the walk and planning logistics, it can feel like we're not making a dent towards our ultimate goal, but when I look at my wall, I, I can see how far we've come 
and I know we're making progress, so that just encourages me to keep working. As the saying goes, you're in it to win it, so focus on the wins. Okay, just to wrap up my five key focus areas for developing into an effective nonprofit professional, these include focus on self-care, focusing on developing a professional network, focusing on becoming self-aware, focus on your personal mission, and focus on your wins. I know you have a million things going on, so you're probably wondering how you can find time for all of this in a week. Hopefully, some of the little tricks that I shared with you all will help you get started. Remember, it's not about dedicating enormous amounts of time to each of these areas. Rather, it's figuring out what works for you and doing it consistently. For more information and a wrap-up of the key takeaways from this episode, please visit www.thirdsuite.com forward slash 24. And don't forget, if you're looking to expand your professional network and meet other like-minded professionals, join one of our Facebook groups. We just started a Facebook group specifically for Nonprofit Confidential podcast listeners, and you can find a link to that group on our show notes. That's a great place to get started. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I will talk to you next week.